Good morning, everyone. Kevin here from Skywatcher. Welcome to another episode of the What's Up webcast, where we take a look at everything from what's up in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks on visual and imaging. And of course, at the end of the month, we have a special guest on to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy. Um, so it's the first part of November. Um, the year is pretty much wrapping up. I know it's been pretty, I feel like this year has pretty much flown by, but um, thanks for all of you who've been hanging out with us this year, um, and it's been a lot of fun having you around. Um, so at the beginning of the month, obviously, we talk about what's up in the nighttime sky, and that's no different. Um, but before we jump into anything, if you are looking for anything for the holidays, I would recommend you start looking now. Um, we have EQ6RI mounts in stock. Uh, Star Adventure 2Is are in stock. Um, I believe some of our Evo stars um, are in stock as well. Uh, you can check with your dealer. Uh, we also have the Evo Lux 62 and 82. Those are in stock um, as well as a variety of other items. But you can still get some stuff for the holiday season if you're looking for it. We do have some inventory of product available. And if there's something that you're missing um, and you won't have it for the holiday season, you want something to put under the tree, you can go over to the skywatcher.threadless.com. Get a shirt with your favorite hardware and pop that under the tree um, or any holiday that you celebrate for that matter. But it's a great gift if you're looking for that as well. Um, we have the swag that goes with your Skywatcher equipment. So that's pretty much that. Um, but you can get that going. We do have plenty of equipment in stock if you're looking for stuff. Um, so check with your local dealer. Um, if you're looking for something for the holidays, uh, because they are right around the corner now. I know they're already playing Christmas music here, um, so in Phoenix. So um, with that being said, why don't we get started? Um, if you like what you see here at the What's Up webcast, please go ahead and subscribe. Leave a like on a video. If you have an idea for an episode, go ahead and email us at info at skywatcherusa.com. Title it What's Up and give us your idea for an episode we are putting things together for 2023 so if you got an idea or want us to cover something go ahead and throw that over to us um, we'd like to see it and I have not been on the right screen this whole time so um, let me backtrack really quick um, here's all the cool threadless stuff you guys have seen that before um, there's all the cool shirts you can get for the holidays if you want um, or just to have because they're cool and awesome. But uh, anyway, there's the Threadless store. Sorry about that. Um, should have had that up. Thought I transitioned the screen. Um, and then if you want to go ahead and subscribe, please hit subscribe. And then you can email us if you have any questions there. Um, if you want to know how to stay up to date with the latest uh, availability and equipment and what other stuff is going on at Skywatch, you can go to skywatcherusa.com. And up at the top, there's the green bar. You can, you can hit subscribe and save. Pop your email into our email blasts, and uh, you'll see what the webcast is for the month, new product announcements, if we've got sales going on, whatever. Um, you can go ahead and subscribe to Skywatcher there. We appreciate it. So let's talk about the brightest thing in the nighttime sky, and that is the moon. And I realize that I also need to open up one more thing for this really quick thought i had everything open but there's one piece i need because we're going to be talking about it in a little bit where is it here it is bear with me just a second there's one software that i needed that i don't have opened at the moment and we're going to need it right after we talk about the moon so this let me get that set up Boop. 
Um, bring it over here. And whoop, there we go. Uh, labels, lines. There we go. Okay, done. Cool. Now where were we? Um, the moon. So the moon is the brightest thing in the nighttime sky, obviously, as we all know. Um, new moon is at the end of the month, right around Thanksgiving, at least for the U.S. here. Uh, November 23rd is new moon. Um, your dark sky weekend is actually going to be the 19th and the 20th. However, the following weekend, um, which is... The 26th and 27th, which is technically Thanksgiving, uh, the weekend of Thanksgiving. If you don't want to go shopping and dealing with all kinds of crazy people, you can go out to the far, far reaches, far away from people. And it will be a thin crescent moon that should be setting well before midnight. So you could get out and do a second kind of dark sky weekend, um, the weekend after uh, new moon as well. Uh, but the dark sky weekend for November would be the 19th and the 20th. And then if you want to head out uh, the following weekend, you could do that as well. You're just going to have a little bit of a moon early in the evening or the weekend before. You're going to have that uh, crescent moon rising in the early morning hours. So um, unless you're going to go observing in the middle of the week, um, which is the 23rd, which I believe is like a Wednesday. Um, good for you. Uh, those of us have to work, though. So... Um, but yeah, that is your new moon, um, your dark sky observing weekends, the 19th and 20th. However, you could go out the following weekend if you need to. Uh, that's Thanksgiving weekend. I know, totally understand if you're tired of being around your family and just need somewhere to go. Um, you could also hop out that weekend and go do some dark sky viewing um, after the crescent moon sets. Uh, full moon uh, for the month, however, is on the 8th, which is next week. Um, it is the beaver moon for this month. Um, this is where traps... Uh, we're usually set uh, to capture beavers for their pelts before winter really set in. Um, that is where the beaver moon gets its name uh, for this month. But what more importantly, I'm sure a lot of you are also gearing up because here in North America, um, through the Pacific and into Asia, um, we have a lunar eclipse, a total lunar eclipse coming up on November 8th. And uh, it should be pretty good. Let me pull the map up here. Um, here is the map of the lunar eclipse there. Let me, there we go. Um, everything in the shaded area will see some kind of eclipse. This is timeanddate.com, uh, which is a fantastic website because what I like about this is you can actually uh, click on where you're at and it will tell you when totality is and all that fun stuff so here on the west part of the united states we will be able to see the entire total eclipse however it is going to be early in the morning um so you're seeing some of these are like 1 a.m looks like it starts about midnight and goes till about 6 a.m uh roughly so just depends on where you're at but that's a really cool map um it's interactive and they can do that with all the different eclipses um, that are out there, um, timeanddate.com. If you're in Hawaii, first off, I'm jealous of you, um, you'll be able to see the whole thing, you know, right there. It goes right through the middle of the night. Um, but that is the total lunar eclipse. Like I said, you're going to be able to get all the western part of the U.S. will get it. Um, and then most of the U.S. will get, the entire part of the United States is going to get some portion of it, um, as well as South America, Mexico, 
uh, the Pacific Islands, New Zealand will see all of it, Australia gets some of it, and then you get over into Asia um, and the Middle East area where you will get portions of it as well. So unfortunately our friends in Europe and Africa, it's daytime, so you won't be able to catch it. So, um, but there you go. So something kind of cool there. Um, if that's what you're looking to do, but that is the total lunar eclipse. Um, I don't remember how deep it goes. Here we go. Uh, cool animation here to see how uh, deep the eclipse actually goes um, into the umbra here. If you don't know about lunar eclipses, we've done a whole episode about lunar eclipses, so you can figure out how to shoot it and the best way to uh, go through it. But this one's pretty good because it goes pretty much right through the center of the uh, Earth's umbra. Um, yeah, this one's like dead center through this, the middle. This one's actually going to be pretty good, actually. Um, I guess it doesn't go all the way through, but it's going to get pretty dark um, on this one. So it should be kind of a cool eclipse to see. might be worth getting up and watching it depending on where you're at. But anyway, uh, that is November 8th. That's full moon night, um, and it also is a total lunar eclipse for those of you who are wanting to get up and watch it. So good luck with that. Um, and I'm sure on Facebook on Wednesday morning we'll be bombarded with plenty of lunar eclipse images. Uh, planets. Um, if you haven't been outside in the evening lately, which I'm not sure what rock you've been under at that point, but it's it's planet season now. Um there's all kinds of cool stuff that's up in the uh, evening sky right now. Of course, we have Saturn, which is nice and bright, hanging out there. Um, Jupiter tonight is going to be right next to the moon. Um, that'll be kind of a cool pairing up there if you're looking for something fun to see. Uh, Uranus is actually up here. Right down here is Uranus. Uh, and then trailing just a little bit behind Uranus and then you've got the Pleiades and then a little bit after that once Taurus rises you've got Mars coming up and Mars is up um, about nine o'clock now wow it's getting up there so we have Mars by later in the evening um, Mars is starting to rise uh, Neptune is up here as well I believe it's up here by Saturn and Jupiter yeah, it's not far from Jupiter right now. Uh, there's, if Stellarium would cooperate, there's Neptune right there. Um, so in a row you have Saturn, Neptune, Jupiter, uh, the planet Uranus, and then Mars. Uh, you've got a nice chain of planets. They're all up by about 10 o'clock in the evening. So um, it's a good time to get out and observe the planets. Uh, Saturn and Jupiter are obviously naked eye visible. Uh, excellent targets to get out and view. Um, Mars is getting better. Um, I don't know when its closest approach is at this point, but I haven't had a chance to really view it because it has been rather low. Um, but we are going to start getting that into the evening sky um, here now. So that's kind of a cool collection of planets to go out and view. And if you're doing outreach, you've got quite a selection of targets to actually show people this fall. Um, so all kinds of cool stuff. So that is the uh, chain of planets right now. Um, the software I'm using right here, this is Stellarium. It's free. Um, you can download it online. You can control telescopes with it with the right connections. Um, it's just a really nice uh, program if you're trying to just kind of plan out your evening and see what's up. Um, but that is what I use for um, talking about the night sky here on the What's Up webcast is Stellarium. You can go on and download that for free 
um, the graphics are pretty good uh, for it as well. So it's an awesome, awesome free program that you can go get. Uh, but that is the planets. So something cool, lots of stuff to go see. Um, the sun. Um, if you joined us two weeks ago, we were at doing the soul event. So thanks for those who came out. Um, the sun obviously right now is starting to kick up and we are just under a year away from the annular solar eclipse that's going to be occurring here in uh, North America. Uh, that'll be cool. And then of course, in April of 2024, we have the big one, the total eclipse um, that will be coming through. But uh, let's see where it's all my stuff, but we can get rid of this. Um, if you want to see what's going on the sun today in H alpha, which I think is the most dynamic way to observe the sun, uh, white light filters let you observe sunspots or H alpha lets you see all kinds of detail and prominences and filaments and all kinds of cool things um, there for you. Uh, today we do have some prominences, lots of filaments and some good active regions going across the sun there. So if you have an H alpha telescope or a solar H alpha telescope, not a nighttime H alpha filter. No, 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 no. Um, there's plenty of cool stuff for you to go see. So go check that out. Um, there's always something changing there, especially as we get towards the eclipse. And as with anything observing the sun, please make sure you know exactly what you're doing. Only use certified solar filters. Do not mess with the sun. Um, it really is not. Uh, it's a dangerous thing to do. You want to make sure you know what you're doing with it. Uh, but there is some really nice detail up there, especially in the hydrogen alpha wavelengths if you're looking to go out and observe the sun uh, or image it or whatever you are looking to do. But it is a grid, uh, good time to get into solar observing. And you still have time to go find a solar telescope or a solar filter right now um, if you need to before uh, the eclipse is really kicking the gear. But don't wait much longer because, A, it's going to take you some months to probably get your solar telescope, especially if you're ordering one now. And um, the closer you get to the eclipse, the harder and harder it's going to be for you to find one. And that's going to be, especially because we have two back-to-back -back eclipses here in North America, it's going to get crazy. Um, it always does. Just don't wait till the last minute. And if you do wait till the last minute, don't be one of those people who are like, what do you mean you don't have it? You knew about it for a while. So um, so if you want to know what's going on there, just go to uh, Google and type in Gong, G-O-N-G-H-Alpha, and it brings this up right here. Uh, it shows you the latest and greatest of what's going up on the sun. So that's kind of cool, something to check out. Uh, meteor showers. Uh, for the month of November, the big one is the northern and southern torrid meteor showers. Um, and those are very close to the peak um, right now that actually starts tonight um, there's the fourth through the 12th um, it's technically two meteor showers but they're they are coming out of taurus uh, the bull um, the moon is very bright right now um, so it's going to get more and more dominant as we get into full moon on the eighth so now uh, the meteor shower is not really well centered right now unless you're going to get some really bright ones. I saw one last night driving home. Um, it's a very good one. I don't believe it was technically a torrid because it wasn't coming from the direction of Taurus. It was just a good one. But um, if you see some uh, shooting stars over the next couple years um, or next couple of nights and it's coming from the direction of Taurus, which is rising in the east, um, it's probably a torrid. Uh, 
So that is the Torrid Meteor Showers, uh, November 4th through the 12th is when that is peaking, and that is the northern and southern Torrid Meteor Showers uh, there. Uh, comets. Um, I don't know that there's very many comets up right now, but if you ever want to know what's up, go to cometchasing.skyhound.com. Uh, that's the website I like to use, and it's been very, very helpful over the years, showing you what's kind of up and um, out there for viewing. Uh, maybe you want to image some of them. So it looks like the brightest one right now is um, in the southern hemisphere. That was uh, C2017 K2 Panstars. You're looking at 8.7 magnitude. Pretty easy to actually get um, that. Actually, David makes a really good point in the chat about the meteor shower. We're peaking in the torrid meteor shower but we have a lunar eclipse. So it might be kind of cool if you were able to get some shooting stars during a lunar eclipse during totality. So David makes a good point in the chat that, good point, David, point goes to you. Um, could be some interesting things there. If you're in a dark sky, uh, you might get some meteors from the torrid meteor shower while in totality for the full moon. So go for it. Sounds like a Kodak moment. Um, some other comets that are up right now, we have C2022 C E3, um, that's in the Northern Hemisphere, it's up in Serpens, about magnitude 10, um, that one's probably pretty doable, um, it says it should brighten by one and a half magnitude, so that's just shy of visual capability, naked eye, um, if it's gonna, uh, increase by 1.5 magnitude, and it's already at 10, so, it won't be naked eye, but it's not far from it. So you might want to keep an eye on this one right here. Uh, C2022E3 um, might be a good one. And then there's some other stuff there. Uh, P1 or Neowise, that's up in uh, Sagittarius, which you'd have to get in the early evening. And then there's a collection of other ones that are actually out right now. But these could be fun to image or view if you're just looking to get out and do some fun stuff there. But uh, that is cometchasing.skyhound.com if you want to take a look um, and see all the different things that are coming out uh, as far as comets go. All right, uh, deep sky targets. So we're still in that weird transition time where we have some of the big summer constellations up, but we have the autumn constellations as well. And if you stay up late enough, you've got the winter stuff coming in as, uh, as well. So... Um, there's a lot going on um, right now, especially if you're a deep sky observer. This is my favorite time of year to observe because there's so much stuff um, to dig into out there. Um, so uh, first up, we have uh, M57, the Ring Nebula. Um, that's still nice and high up in uh, Lyra, the Harp. So right after sunset, um, where is Lyra? This is a little later. Let me backtrack here to like 8 o'clock. Yeah, right about there. Um, it's still fairly high. The Ring Nebula is sitting pretty decently positioned right there. Um, up in the constellation of Lyra. You can still get out there and observe it. Um, you've got some good stuff floating around there. Um, the Ring Nebula is about 2,500 light years away. You can do it visually. It's a great object to see in town with a moderate little telescope. You know, six inch or smaller could probably do it. 
Um, larger instruments are nicer. If you're in town, an O3 filter or a UHC filter is highly recommended. It'll help pop that out a little bit more. Um, imaging, you can do it from in town. Just remember it's a very small target. So it might be difficult for you to actually get um, some detail. And you wanna do short exposures on it. And if you wanna get crafty with it, you can actually do narrow band with it because it is a planetary nebula. So you could give that a shot as well. That's a good narrow band target and try to get the outer uh, ring of the ring nebula, the petals. I like to call them the petals because they do look like uh, flower petals. But that's M57 up in Lyra the Harp. Um, another nice planetary that's up right now is uh, M27, the Dumbbell up in Volpeca, about 9,800 uh, light years, I believe. Um, this is easy in town. It's a lot bigger than the ring nebula, so it's an easy one to get. Um, really looks nice in a variety of telescopes, but if you have some about eight inch or larger, it does pretty good. Um, it's not far from where the ring is. It's kind of opposite Alberio, um, over here somewhere. It should be right over here. How is it not popping up? Stellarium. Hmm. It should be easier to find than this. I'm... Not sure why it's not coming up. Hold on just a sec. If only we had a search bar. M27. I looked right there. Huh. Anyway, there's M27. It's not far from... It's almost opposite Alberio from the Ring Nebula. So the Ring's over here. Uh, dumbbell's over here. There's Alberio right there, the head of Cygnus the Swan. Uh, but that is M27, uh, the Dumbbell Nebula. It kind of looks like an apple core in the telescope. So kind of a neat one to go after. We did this as the totem target um, a couple months ago. If you were trying to get the the wings of M27, I believe that was last month's target. And we're going to show this month's target as well. Uh, but there's M27. There's still time to actually image this if you've got um, a little bit of time. It's an easy one to go after in town. It does nice with narrow band. Um, but it also is a good visual target as well. Very impressive in a large aperture telescope from dark skies. And, you know, 12 inch or larger, it gets pretty cool. Uh, my personal favorite, if you're going to dark skies, you have the Veil Nebula. This is in Cygnus the Swan. It's about, okay, uh, about almost 10,000 light years out. Um, these do require dark skies. Um, an O3 filter is ideal for visual, but a UHC will also work. Um, you can see this in a 4-inch telescope, especially like a wide-field telescope, like an Esprit 100 or like a Teleview NP-101. Um, actually, a Teleview NP-101 was the first time I saw the whole thing. It looks like a pair of parentheses. But if you're in a dark sky, um, a pair of parentheses is exactly what it looks like. Something about 500 to 600 millimeter focal length um, with like a 30 something millimeter eyepiece and an O3 filter and a dark sky sight, you can get the whole thing. It's about three degrees of the sky. It's awesome. Um, larger telescopes, it gets very interesting, especially as the aperture increases. And once you get to about 15 to 20 inch or bigger, these nebulas just look like a picture. Um, it's amazing how much detail is inside these nebulas, but it's an amazing complex. It's a supernova remnant. You can do this in-town imaging. It's very receptive to narrowband, um, particularly like a bicolor image. If you're doing H-alpha and O3, that's a very receptive target. 
um, to narrowband, and there's still time to get it. Um, the Veil Nebula is hanging out right over here in Cygnus, right here, um, just off of Cygnus's eastern wing. Um, so there's still time if you actually wanted to image this. You could probably get a couple hours on it before it gets too low. Um, Cygnus is still fairly high, um, but you still have time to get it before it completely sets for the the fall winter uh, times. But that's uh, the Veil Nebula right there. I highly recommend. It's my favorite target um, just because it's so complex and intricate. All right, the dominating galaxy of fall here in North America, it, or the Northern Hemisphere, is M31, the Andromeda Galaxy, two and a half million light years away. You can see this in town. It looks like a fuzzy. Um, dark skies obviously help get the more structure, the dust bands and the arms, all that cool stuff is floating out there. Um, it's a very nice galaxy to get. Um, binoculars, it's extremely impressive to actually see it because you just see how big this thing actually is in the nighttime sky so if you're in a dark sky site like a good pair of 50 millimeter or larger binoculars something easy to handhold you really get an idea of how large andromeda actually is so it's an amazing galaxy to see and there's all kinds of little details especially as you get larger and larger apertures on top of it um, imaging you can do it in town um, dark skies help if you are imaging it though don't be afraid to add a little h alpha um, in there because you can pull out the H2 star forming regions inside the galaxy. Um, there's some nice detail hidden away in there. And there are, if you're shooting really wide field, it actually sits in a very uh, light, cirrus uh, cloud of hydrogen um, around uh, Andromeda. You need to do some very deep exposures, but there are some very nice H alpha clouds um, that are sitting in this field. Uh, that come out so if you're doing narrowband give that a shot as well you'd be surprised what you can pull out around m31 in narrowband h alpha uh, not far from m31 we also have m33 the triangulum galaxy about 3.2 million light years away um, this one is a lot more diffuse compared to m31 so darker skies are really required for this one um, even in some decent aperture, you'd be you can see it. It looks very much like the image that you see here. Um, like in my 28 under dark skies, it looks a lot like the picture and you can see all the, the little molting details in there, but it's very diffuse and it takes some time for your eye to adapt to seeing it like that. Um, in town, it's very difficult. Um, even in moderate aperture telescopes, it's, it just doesn't pop like m31 does um so it can be a little bit more challenging of a target to get unless you're in those darker skies imaging you can easily do it in town it'd be a little bit harder because if you're imaging in town you generally get gradients um, from lights and other you know artificial light that's floating around there even if you're using a light pollution filter you're probably getting some kind of gradient in your image and that can be a real pain when you're dealing with something this diffuse um, so you can give it a try. It's just more challenging in town, but it is a good imaging target. There's some nice structure in there. It doesn't take much to actually get it in the frame because um, it's still relatively bright for the camera. Um, and don't be afraid again to put some H alpha detail in there. Um, you know, there is some really nice gems of H2 regions or star forming regions that are in the galaxy's arms. 
um, it's a very cool object to go out and see. Uh, but it is more of a challenge than M31 is. But yeah, that is M33. You can see it in binoculars as well in very dark skies. Um, next one up at the head of Pegasus is M51 or M15. I'm sorry, not M51. Uh, this is up in Pegasus, about 32,000 light years away. It's a globular cluster. Um, it's kind of one of the last hurrahs of globular clusters. Um, these objects are normally visible in the summer months because they're around the core of the Milky Way. Um, M15 and a handful of other uh, globular clusters are visible in autumn and winter. Um, but this one is one of the brighter ones that are visible this time of year. Um, it's easy to do in town. Almost any size telescope can get it. Obviously, darker skies, bigger telescopes make it even more interesting. Um, it's a globular clusters I feel are constantly overlooked um, in, for an imaging target because they're not that difficult of a target. You don't need really long exposures to shoot it, um, but there's some nice detail that you can get out. So don't overlook uh, clusters if you have the chance. But what was really interesting to me is when I imaged this just to see how much flux nebula is actually floating in the field that I'd never seen before. Um, so that's a cool one to go out and actually try to observe or try to actually see if you're imaging to see if you can see the flux nebula that are in there. With the modern cameras nowadays, it's a very easy thing to actually pull out, um, especially if you're using a camera that has a, you know, IMX uh, 571, like the ZW2600, or the uh, 455, like the ZW0 6200 or QHY600. And then, of course, you have the 533, the little brother um, of those trios. Um, but yeah, try that out. Try M15. Try to see if you can get the Flux Nebula to come out if you're shooting that particular field. Uh, next up, it's the it's rising now is M45, the Pleiades. It's up in Taurus. I'm sure you've seen it rising up there in the east. Um, you know, about nine o'clock. It's above the horizon. Um, this is a staple of the, the fall and winter skies um, here in North America. Almost goes directly overhead for most of the U.S. Um, it's great in any type of sky. You can generally see it unless it's, you're in the worst locations. But normally it's a naked eye target from the average backyard. Um, anything from your naked eye all the way up to a decent sized telescope it's a great object to view. It's perfect for outreach events because it's big and bright. Um, it's a fun one to talk about because of its history. Um, but small refractors all the way up to, you know, decent aperture telescopes. Um, the Pleiades is just a staple this time of year. And photographically, it's a fantastic object because it's not just the cluster, but you do have the nebulosity um, that is actually in the same field. Now, the interesting part is the Pleiades cluster itself is actually passing through the dust clouds that are in this region, lighting it up. The dust is not actually part of the cluster usually. Um, it just happens to be from our vantage point that's cruising through this area. So all this dust out there is getting uh, a really nice uh, lit up. But these are reflection nebulas. Uh, reflection nebulas are are difficult because they're not like a emission target like M42 or the Horsehead or, you know, the North American, these big bright red nebulas um, that can be lit up using an H-alpha filter. 
reflection nebulas, you just need straight, good, dark skies to get them. There's no filter that will help you with a reflection nebula. So, um, but this one's fairly easy to get. You can probably do it from your backyard, but if you really want to get that faint nebulosity, you really got to go after it um, from a dark location. And there's so much stuff in this region that it makes it very, very impressive um, to actually check out. So that's M45, the Pleiades, amazing target. It should be on your, it's just one of those targets everyone has to look at throughout the year when it comes back up in the sky. Now, if you're looking for something a little bit more off the beaten path, you have NGC 7331 and Stefan's Quintet. Um, these are galaxies up in Pegasus. Now, NGC 7331, it's also known as the Deerlick Galaxy. That one's a larger galaxy. There's some really nice detail on that one individually. It's about 40 million light years away. But just a hop, skip, and a jump over... There's a very small, intricate collection of galaxies known as Stefan's Quintet. Um, this is a really fun visual target to go after because it's a challenge to see how many galaxies you can actually resolve. Um, aperture and dark skies are where this is at visually. You can do it in an 8 to 10 inch telescope, but if you have a friend who's got, you know, a 20 or something inch telescope, put some high power on it really start to push that power up to like 150 200x try to break these galaxies apart um especially if you have access to some serious aperture under some dark skies and see what you can actually see inside of stefan's quintet it's a very intricate collection of galaxies the james webb space telescope shot this a few months ago that was amazing um, but the fact that we can actually see it in our amateur telescopes, and it's also a fun target to go after just on its own. Photographically, there's a lot going on in here. There's tons of galaxies in the region. Um, there's a bunch that are around NGC 7331, as you can see. And then you also have Stefan's Quintet. This was taken with the Esprit 150 at our remote uh, telescope at Skies Away Remote. Um, with the ZWO 6200, um, I think this field is cropped just a little bit, but even at a thousand millimeters, you can just see how much, how many galaxies are in here. It's a very uh, nice collection of galaxies. It's a fun one to go after. Um, and just to give you an idea of where that is, let's pull up Stellarium, NGC 7331. Um, almost overhead, but it's right here in the front part of Pegasus, uh, not far from Lacerda. Um, so it's under the front uh, leg of Pegasus. This is where um, NGC 7331 and Stefan's Quintet are sitting right there. So that's a fun, challenging target to go after, not only imaging-wise, but visual um, as well, especially if you've got some aperture to go off of it. Uh, to change things up a little bit, we also have the constellation Cepheus up, and Cepheus is just a freaking dust cloud. Um, and one of the objects um, that we're looking at in there is Barnard 174 in Cepheus. I don't know the distance on this one. Um, visually, I don't even know how viable this target actually is visually. You would have to have some extremely dark skies, probably very transparent, and probably some pretty decent aperture to try and pull out the faint 
nebulosity of this dark nebula. Um, I will let you guys know that moving into next year, the totem targets are going to get a lot more difficult. Um, we feel like we've been a little easy on them. Um, so we're really going to start upping the ante uh, next year and starting this month. Um, moving forward, the totem targets are going to be a lot more difficult because um, we really want you to push the envelope of what you're doing. Um, but they're going to be very similar to something like this, like Barnard 174. We want to definitely push you over the edge um, to get out of your comfort zone and try to get something that's just crazy. Uh, so Barnard 174 is a dark nebula up in Cepheus. It's one of the many, many amazing nebulas that are in that constellation. Um, it is a dark nebula, um, but there's also a ton of hydrogen in this nebula. So, um, so right here you've got the dark nebula, and then I went back and shot H-alpha, which helped pop the, the field out. But there's a ton of nebulosity in this region uh, for that. But that's Barnard 174. Um, there's a bunch of other objects up there, but dark skies are really needed um, to pull this out. Um, you could try from in town. I'm sure you could get it, but um, pretty decent exposures um, to get the faint nebulosity to come out there. But yeah, that is um, Barnard 174. Uh, but yeah, be prepared that totem targets are going to be a lot more difficult moving forward and they're going to be a lot more dusty because we definitely want to put you over the edge to try and actually get you to um, go out there and push yourself to do something new. All right, totem of the month, target of the month. Um, so for those of you, we had a ton of submissions this month, a bunch, and we've pretty much shipped everyone's patches at this point. Um, let's see. Hold on, there's a question here. I own a Star Travel 102 and a Star Travel 150. Saw Barnard's loop with both of them two days ago. I'm wondering if Skywatcher is going to make an 8-inch version of the Star Travel. No. Um... An 8-inch refractor, even an Acromat, would be... It's probably, I will be honest, it's probably something we could do. Our engineers and optical people um, at the who design this stuff and fabricate it are very good. Um, making an 8-inch refractor would probably be doable. But an 8-inch refractor is a massive instrument. And... Uh, it would probably have to be something like F6. And it's just probably beyond what we would do. So as awesome as an 8-inch F6 Acromat would be, A, it would be a very large telescope. B, um, we're not really in the business of doing the large, large Acromats. If you want something like that, I would go to iStar. Um, like an iStar 204 F6 would probably fit your needs. It's going to be expensive, but you're talking about an 8-inch refractor. So at this point, I would not expect to see any 8-inch refractors uh, from Skywatcher anytime soon. Um, if there's going to be one, I'm going to get it. I'm just kidding. Um, but a friend of mine who was at Seoul, Simon Tang, he has an 8-inch iStar. And I got to see it a couple weeks ago at Seoul, and my God, that's a big refractor. And uh, so the answer, short answer there, no, um, we won't be making an eight-inch refractor. And if it is an eight-inch refractor, it would probably be an Apo, uh, because 
that's where a lot of the, the demand is for a big refractor is for imaging. Um, so sorry, but we probably won't do an eight inch Acromat. There's just not much of a market for them at this point. Very cool idea though. All right, target of the month. Um, totem rules. Um, if you're new to totem, you must provide an image by the end of the month. Um, you're going to email that to info at skywatcherusa.com. You can also email it to totem. We prefer you do the totem email, but we have had people throw it in there. Um, you must provide your name, equipment, image specification, mailing address. If you are, it has to be the U.S. and Canada only. Um, if you are in Canada, please send us your phone number and your email as well. We need it to ship to Canada. Um, I had a few this month that did not provide that. You guys did get back to me, but in your e submission email, please go ahead and just provide that. Um, you also need to provide a fit file so we know it was taken within the month. Um, you cannot submit old data to us. You don't get the totem target uh, thing there. Um, so the totem target for October was IC59 and IC63, the ghost of Cassiopeia. Um, as long as you got one of them, um, you were, you were good to go. I am surprised how many people did this target. Um, there was a lot of you and, uh, there's, I didn't put everyone's in here. I only put a handful of images in here. If yours isn't in here, I'm sorry, but we had so many submissions this month. It was just hard to get everyone's patch shipped out. So um, if I don't see it, if you don't see your image, I'm sorry. Like I said, there's just there was so many that we had to do it. Um, but um, here's some awesome, uh, Greg Meyer did this with his Esprit 120. Um, I love the detail Greg has with the extensions that go out. Um, you don't see this portion too often. Um, you do get IC uh, 59 and 63, the ghosts here, but this chunk out here, you don't get too much. Um, James Hawk, yours was really ghosty, I like it. Um, this is pretty cool. Uh, Steve Miller, um, got some good stuff this was with a 12 inch daub which was crazy um uh bob hughes uh had the pleasure of meeting bob a couple times he's local um as is greg meyer um bob with the hyperstar is pretty crazy um pete brown uh, very nice stuff um uh, you know, there's a lot of really good, here we go, Max, uh, representing the Quattro. Um, and the, he's using the Starazona Nexus that drops the Quattro to F3. Um, and the fact that you did this with a Nikon DSLR is really impressive. So really, really cool work. I uh, love the detail and the structure. You really got the aperture backing you up there. Um, some really, really, really good submissions this month. Um, we are thinking about it, and I would like to get people's opinions on this. Um, the possibility of whoever, out of the submissions that we get each month, the possibility of all those submissions go in, and then we will pick one, and the winner of the month will have their image put on a shirt that will be available through the Skywatcher Threadless store. Um, and then you can get it or people can buy it or whatever like that. So just an idea. If you like that, throw that in the chat. Let us know if you think that's cool. 
Um, so basically you would submit, we'll show as many images as we can in here. And then, uh, during the what's up for the month episode, and then we will ultimately have one picked, um, by our marketing team, most likely. And, uh, that will go on to being a shirt, um, that people can actually buy, um, at that point. Uh, we would, that's just an idea. So let us know what your thoughts are in the chat. If that seems something cool and, uh, yeah, so, uh, we'll go from there. So, uh, we're in November now, which means we're going to up the ante a little bit. Uh, so 2022 November target. Um, we are going to go with Siamesis 147, AKA Sharpless 240 or the Spaghetti Nebula. This thing is faint. This thing is big. Um, over three degrees of the sky. Uh, this is the challenge target for November. Uh, it is a narrow band capable thing, so you can do it in town, but it's a big, big target. Um, the best framing I've seen with this is really wide field or mosaics or even a 135 or 200 millimeter telephoto. Um, but it's a very intricate nebula, uh, but good luck getting that. Um, uh, another thing we we are uh, most of you we have pretty much shipped out all the uh, the October uh, totem patches so some of you have probably received those already um, next month I think we will be showcasing the new 2023 patch um, we just put the order in for them we have not shown them to anybody but we'll be showing the 2023 patch probably next month um, as we will wrap it up. Uh, for the year. So there won't be many 2022 patches, the OG totem patch. There won't be many of them floating around there. Um, but 2023, we've got a new whole new patch out, um, which would be kind of cool. Um, and once we're done with that year, we'll do another edition. So every year they're going to be different. Um, but that is your target of the month, the Siamesis 147, the Spaghetti Nebula in Taurus. Uh, good luck. Um, it is a narrow band target but it's a hard narrow band target. Um, let's see. There is some questions here. We did the star travel question. Uh, will these new, will the new totem targets require narrow band filters? Then we're going to change it around. Some of them are not going to be narrow band. You're just going to have to have dark skies. We really would like the totem targets to be a challenge. We want them to, we want to push people to try different types of targets, different types of imaging and kind of get you out of your comfort zone and not just shooting easy things all the time. So some will be narrow band like Siamesis 147 and then some you're just going to have to do dark skies um, or challenge what you can do from your backyard. Um, but we'll see as we move forward. But we do want to up the ante and go for a little bit more exotic targets um, and a little bit more difficult. So we're going to give that a try. Uh, what about your Skywatcher Hawaiian shirt? Still in development. Haven't moved forward with that. We got a lot on our plate right now. Um, nothing yet. So uh, a calendar. That's kind of a cool. I'm sure we will have a discussion about all the different ideas for like the best object of the, the best image of the month or something like that out of the totem targets. Um, but that's that. But anyway, that's it for this uh, week. Uh, thanks for watching. I know we're finishing up just a little early, um, but good luck on the totem targets. Uh, like I said, we've pretty much shipped out all the totem uh, October patches. 
Um, so you should have gotten yours or it's on the way. We are also working on um, an auto response um, just in case. We do get a lot of people asking if their image came through. Um, so we're going to try to set up an auto response that just says, thank you for your submission. We got it. Um, so we'll get that going just so you know that it came through because um, we don't we do check that email all the time, but it's not like an email that it's just for submissions. So, um, but we'll try to get an auto response set up for that. Just so you know that we got it. Um, so yeah, if you like what you see here on the what's up webcast, please go ahead and subscribe, leave a like, let us know we're doing a good idea, a job. Um, if you have an idea for a future episode, email us at info at skywatcherusa.com title it what's up. Um, but that pretty much wraps up what we're doing for November. Uh, good luck on the totem target of the month. I look forward to seeing what you guys can do. Um, next month, or next month, next week, we're talking about building an affordable imaging system. Now, next week is the first episode after the time change occurs. And because we are still still doing time changes in Arizona we're not so we don't like doing that but the rest of you will be changing your clocks next week on actually the 6th this weekend is when the time change occurs so next week please make sure that you're aware that we are at 10 a.m pacific time so it's going to be an hour difference um, now for a lot of people um, so pay attention to the clock um, pay attention when we're actually going live because it's going to be at a different time due to the time change. It's still 10 a.m. Pacific, but because of the time change, everything's going to be a little different. Um, but we're going to be talking about building an affordable imaging system. So we hope to see you there. Uh, please remember the time change. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Please have a great weekend. Uh, stay warm. It's been rather cold. Um, go out and observe the planets. Check out the moon and good luck on the lunar eclipse. So other than that, thanks for watching and we will see you guys next Friday. Take care. Clear skies.